Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Wendy's is giving you a chance to win cash. Head to a participating Wendy's, snap a pic when you try the new homestyle French toast sticks, and post it on social using the hashtag Wendy's French Toast Stick Sweeps or log on to Wendy's French Toast Stick Sweeps.com. Wendy's new homestyle French toast sticks are crispy on the outside, fluffy on the inside. They're so good, they're the best thing to ever happen to breakfast. No purchase necessary. See rules at Wendy's French toast stick sweeps.com. Sweepstakes end September 11th, 2022. And what's up, what's up? Welcome in. This is GC Live Monday edition of the show. Of course, brought to you by Clint Hammond of Mortgage Network. Give him a shout, 803-771-6933, or check him out, mortgagenetwork.com slash Clint dash Hammond and join now as you can see there by a very special guest um, Patrick I, I know you've been doing maybe the uh, the media tour since your retirement you did JB and Goldwater I, I think last week um, I think maybe talked to the state newspaper possibly but um, dude we appreciate the time 10 years in the league you've been playing you know football your entire life yeah. what a uh, what has the last week or so been man what, what have you been doing with your time how did it feel weird to wake up and not feel like a football player? <laughs> you know, I mean, when I hurt my neck during training camp, I, I knew the writing was on the wall. I was holding on to hope that somebody would just, like, give me a sympathy Super Bowl ring. <laughs> <laughs> and, and after the champ- after the conference games, when I, when I saw the fullbacks went down and I knew there was no interest uh, in those two teams, I'm like, okay, it's time. Like, I'm I'm 200. I don't look like a fullback anymore. I'm 280 pounds. Um, enjoying time with my family and kids, playing some golf when I can, doing some doing some grad school work. So staying busy. Um, you know, it's been good. It's been very humbling. Um, just um, all the support that I'm getting and all the feedback I'm getting from my career. Like I, I, I didn't think I was that influential on as many people. Um, so it's really cool to sit back and reflect on it all. Patrick, appreciate you joining us, man. Um, again, like like Wes said, and here's what I wanted to go back to and spend some time on. Wes, I don't know if you have any questions specifically on this, but I was looking back today because I remember when you were getting recruited by South Carolina. So the 2007 class, I think it was ranked number six by Rivals.com nationally. So that was a, a class that had a lot of guys in it, right? Like you had a bunch of studs. Stephen Garcia, Melvin Ingram, Cliff Matthews, Travian, you know, a, a lot of big-time guys. And I know you – Don't forget the five-star, Chris Culley. Chris Culley was in there. <laughs> and I know you won't mind me saying this because I've even seen you joke about this. Did you realize you were the prospect in that class? Uh, yeah, I'm aware. Um, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up again. Um, but, no, I mean, I – you know, I, I feel like all, all the – kind of stars are aligned for me to have kind of a chip on my shoulder like I always have playing um, and and being a two-star. And, you know, my dad read those message boards and, like, I could tell he was all ticked off sometimes. I'm like, what's going on? Because these the, these Gamecock fans don't get it. They don't, they don't know anything about you. They've never seen you play. They don't know you're gritty. They don't know how tough you are. 
I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, these message boards, never mind that. Just, just go prove them wrong. <laughs> well, so, and, and you definitely did that. I mean, you know, looking through that list, if I'm not mistaken, you know, you just finished up your playing career as we talked about. And the only other guy that, that is still in the league, I think from that list is Melvin Ingram. who's obviously done pretty well for himself. So obviously whatever that ranking was, you, you obviously outplayed it. But um, one, one other follow-up on that is take us back to the recruiting process because you had 17 sacks as a senior, you know, played both ways, 17 sacks. You also played offense, 129 tackles. Um, but, but the schools in terms of like the schools that offered until South Carolina came on a little bit smaller. I know Urban Meyer had some conversations with you from an older story I was reading on our network, but take us back to the recruiting process and maybe why were, why do you think you were a little bit under recruited coming out until South Carolina came along? Um, you know, um, my recruiting process is pretty quiet. Um, a lot of work on my end to get my name out there. I went to a lot of uh, junior day showcases. I went to a lot of like mini combines. I mean, the problem is, and always was through my career is I'm a, I think the fastest forward I ever ran was like four, seven, two. Uh, when I was in high school, I weighed two seventeen. I played outside linebacker defensive end. What kind of all American uh, outside linebacker defensive ends do you have that are six, one, seventeen and run four, seven, seven? Not many. Um, so all, like my, my skill set, I guess, par se, when it comes to running, jumping, physical size, um, those aren't the attributes that I'm necessarily proud of. Uh, it's more uh, my intelligence of the game, my football IQ, um, tough, gritty, stubborn, nowhere to be, dependable. Um, those are kind of the attributes that you, you don't see at a, at a showcase, at a combine. You don't see those. Um, you know, you see them on tape, but it's hard to get um, – SEC coaches to watch a two-star state. So, obviously, Patrick, you you ended up um, you did get at least one SEC coach to watch the tape and an yeah. offer. Spurrier comes in, um, he offers you. Every, I mean, everybody's got Steve Spurrier stories, man, and and I'm mm-hmm. sure being recruited by Steve Spurrier is probably. Um, an adventure in its own, but what what was that like? Um, can can you take us back, maybe even when you s- sort of first started hearing from from Coach Spurrier, and you're like, okay, that you know this is going somewhere, and and just how that process played out for you as far as being recruited by a legend uh, like that, man. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I got, I got I'm, I'm I got really lucky. My you know my uncle Chris DeMarco knows uh, Coach Spurrier very well from their time in Florida. So that was kind of the initial, like, intro. My uncle was like, hey, Coach Spurrier, like, my nephew's pretty darn good at football. I know he's not very touted, but, like, check him out, see what he's about. So they had me up there my sophomore year summer for, like, their junior day. Um, and, I, and I was outside linebacker defense, and uh, Coach Tyrone Nix was, was the D coordinator, linebacker's coach at the time. So I did a lot of, like, individual work with him. And then I came back up there for my for the senior showcase and combat stuff. Um, but you know, John Hunt, who was the offensive line coach during that time, was recruited in my area, Orlando, um, and he came down for my spring game. Um, and you know, I was like, when you watch me play football, I'm a really, really good football player. I'm just not going to light up any any um, 
in the combine. So when when he saw me play, he was like, he came down the field afterwards. He's like, man, like you're stud. Like how have you not been recruited and this and that? And then as the process started to come along and they started to show more interest. And then my senior year, I mean, I had an incredible year. My team went to the state championship. Um, you kind of went through some of the stats I had, but I did a lot more versatility wise. I mean, a third touchdown, I ran a touchdown, I caught a touchdown, I returned a punt for a touchdown, and I played defense. Um, and I had all those stats that you said earlier. So um, it was kind of just finally getting acknowledged and get getting the um, accolades and stuff. I mean, I was first team all state. I ended up, I think I was like top 30 or top 40 players in the state of Florida after the season was over, which was higher, I think, than any any other recruit that came to South Carolina that that uh signing class um so i mean a lot of it was just like you know playing good at the right time showing up but i mean coach spurrier i mean is just such a character um he only came down to visit me once for an in-home visit and both my parents went to uf my mom grew up in gainesville florida so they were like ecstatic just to have him in the house and he starts talking like 94 to 96 Florida Gator stories. My dad has some steaks on the grill and my dad just, just like in a trance listening to her talk about this stuff. And my mom's like, Hey honey, uh, have you checked on the steaks lately? And he looked over his shoulder and the grill's on fire. <laughs> so he had to run out, run out from coach Spurrier's stories to go make sure the steaks weren't too charred. Thank goodness coach Spurrier being the guy he is cut up the steak and put it on a salad and he, goes, ah, hey, Mitch, this is the best dang steak I ever had. <laughs> My dad's like, oh, boy. So, I mean, you you can't make the stuff up. Coach Spurrier is just – he's one of a kind. No doubt. So, g- going to your career once you get to South Carolina, um, tell me a little bit about uh, – there, there's so many topics to hit, but Marcus Lattimore has talked a lot about you just – you know, the, the importance of – he's giving you a lot of credit for a lot of the blocking. I, I always think of – when I think of sort of that air, I always think of the 2010 Florida game, right? Mm-hmm. With Marcus, 212 yards. You go back and look at the tape. You're out there blocking on a lot of those plays. How was it playing with Marcus Lattimore and some of those other great ones that were around around that time at South Carolina? Uh, it, it it makes it a lot easier. Um, <laughs> that's the first thing that comes to mind. You got a great back with you know all the intangibles that Marcus has and, and are just the person that Marcus is. It makes uh, the fullback's job easier, makes the offensive line's job easier, makes your quarterback's job easier, makes your receiver's job easier. Having a guy like Marcus back there, I mean, not taking anything away from a lot of the other players that we had that year, but Marcus stepping up that year and playing for us was the reason we were able to do what we did. Um, You know, being able to rely on the run game uh, heavily when you need to and – and finish drives off with it. And also, you know, having to have eight guys in the box and stack boxes against us. Marcus is doing so much damage in the run game creates one-on-one matchups for guys like Alshon Jeffrey, um, Jason Barnes, Dio Moore, like the guys that we had, Tory Gurley. Um, so Marcus, I mean, just an all incredible human being, heck of a football player. It's still, I remember when he tore his knee up the second time I was in Kansas city on a Saturday after I walked through, uh, I think it was against Tennessee, and I remember watching the game, and I just like started sobbing. Um, and he's just such a special person. You don't you don't wish that upon anybody, but uh, you know he's rebounded and and he's doing his own thing now, and I'm I'm super proud of him and grateful for him. And um, you know Marcus is a very special person. 
<clears throat> now, obviously, is seems like Marcus has made an impact on people uh, well beyond on the field, you know, off the field as well, man. So, um, as far as back to sort of on the field with you, I see people talk about the fullback position in general and, you know, the spread offenses everywhere now. And um, how important do you think it was for, for you to be able to, you know, show your versatility? I, I know at South Carolina you were playing fullback, but you were – you were lined up at, at tight end some, and, and it seems like these days, um, you know, guys coming up, they almost have to be able to do some, like, H-back type stuff and, and show their versatility. How, how have you just seen that position evolve through your time in football, and, and how important is that versatility, man? Well, I mean, that story kind of – I mean, I was strictly a fullback special team guy my first two and a half, three years in South Carolina. And then we had some of that Wesley Saunders drama where he got in trouble – um, and that was right before spring practice going into my senior year. And Coach Spurrier goes, D-Mark, you're pretty smart. You think you can learn how to play tight end for us this year? Um, so, I mean, of course, I'm like, heck, yeah, the more I can get on the field, the better I'm going to be, the more I can do, the more, more chance I have to make it at the next level. And, um, you know, I just love competing, so I want to be out there every single play I can. Um, so, yeah, my senior year I played um, Y, which is like tight end in – uh, one back sets uh, in two tight end sets. I played F. So like the H back position. And then when we were in two back, I played fullback. So I had a lot of versatility um, and, and it helped transition to the NFL. I mean, there was, there's a lot of time or a couple of times throughout my career where, you know, you dress two or three tight ends and you have a bunch of packages for them. And one of them, and one of them goes down and gets hurt. And they're like, man, we had, this was 30% of our base game plan. We can't throw it out the door. Hey, Pat, I want you to make sure that you know 50% of those plays and let us know which ones you're comfortable with if somebody does go down. Um, and that happened probably four or five times to me during my career in the NFL, um, which is probably why I played so long, because I was able to pick that stuff up and um, and just work my craft. Um, but just the more you can do, um, it's kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to the NFL level and, and, uh, and even at the college level now, it's, uh, they're asking guys to do a lot of different stuff and the more you can do, the more, the more they can get you on that field. That's where I was going to go with my next question, Patrick is, is if you were giving advice to, you know, current college players or young NFL players, whatever it may be in terms of longevity, you know, that they always say that the NFL stands for not for long. You know, went through the 2007 commitment list earlier. Lots of those guys were in the league. You and Melvin Ingram are the only two, you know, that, that were still in as of recently. How, what's the key? Is is it just versatility? Is it playing special teams? Like, what are sort of some tips that you would give guys that are looking to make that jump or have a chance to? Oh, I mean, it's um, to your best – uh, ability is availability. So your health is uh, the most important thing and taking care of your body is, is at the utmost. I mean, I was watching an NBA game two days ago and they were saying LeBron James spends over a million dollars a year on his body to make sure he's healthy, which is makes sense why he's doing it at such a high level still. Um, but other, I mean, other than being out there and being able to play, I mean, special teams is, is a, uh, especially for a fullback. If, if you're not a I mean, I've seen first round, first round draft picks playing a lot on special teams nowadays. Um, you only have so many roster spots. I mean, the NFL, you dress 46 on game day. Um, your offensive line aren't playing special teams. Your defensive line aren't playing special teams. Your quarterback's not playing special teams. Your star white, like, so it kind of narrows it down where you have a select group of 
30 guys that's the nucleus of all those special teams units. Um, so that was part of why I played for so long. I played uh, three or four phases my entire time um, throughout my career. And I just, you know, I'm, you know, being a two-star, like I, I had a chip on my shoulder. And, and I think the only reason I was able to really make the field at South Carolina was because Coach Beamer saw something in me uh, as a player. And, and I played on all four phases my, my freshman year right when I got there and I made some plays for him. Um, it's kind of, that's the way to land you. If you're not slotted to start on offense right here, right now, you start playing on special teams, you start up in people's eyes. Um, you start getting recognized a little more and they're like, okay, this kid's got something. This kid's got something. Let's give him five plays on offense this week. Okay. He made, played really well in four of those plays. Let's give him 10. Let's see how, he, let's see how he reacts to 10. So it's kind of an evolving, um, it, it kind of evolves, but it's the more you can do, um, you know, like my man, I, I wish I I wish I ran four five or four six because I would have been such a good special team player. But my four four seven four eight probably four nine my last year or two um, just made it difficult. I mean, I knew where I needed to be. It was just when I'm when I'm trying to outrun a guy who runs four five four six down the field, I'm I'm kind of sol there. <laughs> uh, yeah, let, let's keep it right there. You mentioned Coach Beamer. I know, obviously. Um, you know, he was very involved as an assistant, uh, previously under Coach Spurrier. He gets hired this offseason. I know uh, I saw on Twitter you were at the facility. Uh, you recorded us saying it's an NFL facility. So w- what have been just your thoughts on, you know, Coach Beamer and, and how much of a fit he he could hopefully be for South Carolina's program? And, and what did you think of that facility, man, compared to to maybe uh, the facilities when, when you were here at oh, South Carolina? Man. I know. I know. I know. Some of the guys have commented that basically you you guys are the reason they're able to have that facility now, based on some of the winning y'all y'all did back then. So, what did you think? You know, checking it out and spending some time with Coach Beamer. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, that facility is incredible. Um, when I decided to head on over there, um, I kind of texted Connor because I know he has a big role at the facility, and I was like, "Hey, like." I have no clue where I'm going. So will you give me a heads up? Um, so he sent me the address. And I'm like, that's not the stadium. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. We haven't been back in the last two or three years. We have a whole new thing somewhere else now. Um, so I pull up and I, and I turn down. What was it? The old, there was a bar back there. The uh, something cockaboose or. Uh, yeah, lose cockaboose. <laughs> something back there behind Carolina Walk. But as I turn down, I'm like, this, this is strange. Um, and I turn in and then I see like, this massive building um and it's it's incredible it's the what the layout of it i mean they they really did it right it's open expansive uh it's state of the art it's got everything everybody needs the weight room is better than any nfl weight room i've ever been in the the training room is state of the art i mean i mean i was blessed in buffalo they had an incredible training room before the pagulas invested a lot in the team but the um the, the training room at South Carolina is equally they have a sleep pod, they have a float tank, they have underwater treadmills, they have cold tubs, hot tubs. I mean, it's you name it, and they got it. It's it's super impressive, and I, and I think it uh, a lot of it does bank on the you know 2009, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14 seasons uh, with guys like Conshaw, Marcus, Lamar, Alshon, Jeffrey, like these uh, these those 11 win teams. I mean, the big money's coming in during those years, so. Uh, you know, Ray Tanner did a good job of allocating that money and building that facility because, you know, in today's uh, today's world, it's keeping up with the Joneses. You have to have the top tier facilities to recruit, and that's kind of the nature of the beast. So 
Um, I mean, if, if guys, I mean, my, my, my pitch would be as a recruiter, if you want to come do something special that hasn't been done in South Carolina history, you know, just short of winning an SEC championship game, you got the facilities and you got the staff to do it. Um, and that, not, not working into Beamer. I mean, I was, when he, when he was being talked about for the job, I was so fired up. I actually reached out to him and I just told him like, you know, man, I'm pulling for you. I'm, I'm really excited. I think, you do an incredible job as a head coach. Um, and he got back to me, I mean, within a couple of minutes and said, Pat, like, this is it. This is the job I want. This is the job. If, if they'll have me, I'll stay there forever. Um, and that just spoke volumes to me. Um, so I'm pumped. He's got the job. I'm excited for him, for his staff, for his family. Um, and I mean, they got the facilities to go recruit. Now it's just about getting those guys in and getting in those games. Uh, last one I got one I got for you today, man, is, is just a little bit more on Beamer. You know, t- tell us about, you know, his coaching style, his personality traits, where obviously you know him really well, played for him. He, he coached you at South Carolina, like you said, on special teams. Um, what are the traits that you think that he brings to the program that give him a chance to be successful in, in the big chair, so to speak? Uh, I think, I mean, his passion and his energy are two things that just jump off the off the table for me. Um I mean, I'm pretty sure he, like, cracked a river or something a couple of times when he was in South Carolina celebrating big special teams plays, coming on the sideline, like, getting in mosh pits and stuff with us. And we're like, I mean, Beamer's, what, 180, 185 pounds? Like, like <laughs> dude, be, be careful down there. Um, so, I mean, I think that, and then I think he's he's super organized, and he's just, I mean, he's, I mean, he's Frank Beamer's son. He has the blue to build something to – to have sustained success. Um, so I, mean, I, I think that he's surrounded himself with, um, with a good staff that, that he trusts and, and he believes in. Um, and, you know, it's, it's about getting those recruits in. It's about um, developing the talent that he has there. I think that was a big thing that was missed upon with the previous regime there was, you know, having top 20 classes year in and year out and, and not finishing in the top 20 when it comes to college football rankings. Uh, I mean, that there should be a direct correlation there. Um, so they need to get the guys in and then they need to develop them. They need like these guys better, these coaches better recruit well and they better coach and develop really well. Cause that's, that's the nature of the beast, especially with today's age with the transfer portal. It's a, I mean, you're basically on NFL one-year contracts every year. So, um, you know, it, it's going to, it's exciting. Um, I'm pumped. Like last year was the first year I've watched this much Carolina football. Um, two and eight did not did not sit well with me, uh, nor with a lot of people. So I'm glad there was turnover, and I'm glad there's a new regime in, and I'm excited to see what Beamer can do. And I mean, I'm I'm all in supporting him. Um, I mean, hopefully I can get back to Columbia for a couple games and and enjoy it all, man. I I, I miss Columbia. Patrick, uh, we really appreciate the time today, man. It's the last couple things here. We'll let you we'll let you get back to work. Uh, some uh, some folks were were asking here in the little chat we have going, uh, and and maybe I don't know, maybe you can't whittle it down to one or two things. But do you have any favorite uh, memories that, or just they were also asking, is there a favorite back you blocked for? That, that may be like picking your favorite kid or something. But um, <laughs> just what what maybe if you just look back your entire career, NFL, Carolina as well what are just your your longest lasting memories that you always have um i would say one of them was i mean i grew up i grew up a huge both my parents went to university of florida so beating the gators down in the swamp to win our first ever sec east 
was probably, I mean, my, my favorite college moment for sure. Um, and just icing on the cake with that is we get back to Columbia. It was a night game in Gainesville. We get back to Columbia. It's got to be three or four in the morning. And I mean, almost the entire lower bowl of the stadium is full with fans uh, supporting us, celebrating. Um, Coach Perger did give us a heads up. Um, so like as we pull our buses in, we're like, man, there's a bunch of cars here. Uh, we go to walk into the locker room to drop our travel gear off. And he kind of like points us out to the field. Goes, come here, guys. Come here, guys. And he calls us out there. And there's, I mean, 10, 15, 20,000 fans sitting in the stadium just like applauding us. It was, I mean, I'm getting like chills here thinking about it. Um, just goes to show Gamecock Nation is, you know, is there's nothing like it. Um, you know, I love, love all of them. Um, you know, I miss those moments, cherish those moments. And then, uh, I mean, playing in the Super Bowl was incredible. First, I mean, my, my one Pro Bowl, I mean, I, I love football. I'm not one of those players that's going to sit here and say, you know, I like playing football. Like, I love everything about the game. I love breaking down film. I love uh, doing the rookie development stuff. I like just being around the guys and, and loving on them. Um, so playing on my first Pro Bowl was like, I mean, I'm like a big kid. I was sitting there and I'm like, wow, there's Adrian Peterson, there's so-and-so. I've played against him, but now I'm sitting here and I'm like basically equal value to those guys. Like, this is incredible. I mean, a story, my parents came out uh, for the game. My wife was 38 weeks pregnant, so she couldn't come. But I met my mom off the elevator. We were going to dinner that night, and I was like, Mom, where's Dad? My dad's very similar to me. And my mom's like, oh, he came down here about an hour and a half ago. He's just sitting in the lobby watching the bears walk by. <laughs> I'm like, oh, geez. Uh, hopefully it didn't embarrass me too much. But um, uh, but now I guess your last last part of that was like, who's my favorite guy to block for? Uh, I mean, I mean, all of them are so special in, in their own way. I mean, guy like Shady McCoy can – I mean, super smart, uh, so elusive. Uh, I say the guy that I was closest with, um, hands down during my career, was Devontae Freeman. Um, seeing him mm -hmm. from a, from from a young pup coming out of Florida State, just just rough around the edges, tough, competitive, didn't want to listen to nobody, um, and watching him grow up to be the professional he is now. Um, I mean, she called me. Uh, on New Year's Eve this year, you know, he was with the Giants and he was dealing with a hamstring ankle injury towards the end of the year. And he called me on New Year's Eve and he goes, hey, Pat, like, what's going on? I was like, uh, 7 o'clock, about to put the kids in bed. Uh, and he goes, hey, you got time to talk? And I'm like, yeah. So I kind of told my wife, I was like, you go take the kids up. I'm going to talk with Free for a little bit. And I talked to them for probably 45 minutes. And he just kind of oh, just told me how much he loved me and how much – how much of an influence I was on his life, how I helped change the scope of viewing on things um, and just really kind of gave me the closure I needed on my NFL career um, in a weird way. It was kind of what I needed to hear to know that I did it right. Uh, needed to know that, that I didn't leave anything out there. Um, so I love free. Um, so he, he's got to be, Probably my favorite guy I ever blocked for. Probably favorite guy I ever played for. So competitive, so talented, um, and just such a such an incredible human. And now, now a man, um, he's just he's one of a kind. Patrick, uh, ten ten years in the league, man. Uh, congrats on a uh, 
a career. Uh, all your successes are very well deserved, man. Obviously, you've worked hard for it. Uh, we appreciate the time here, and they they are dying. They are dying for me to ask you, um, yep. and I'm I'm not going to put you in the awkward spot of asking you directly. They're dying for me to ask you if you'll come back and be the running backs coach at South Carolina. But I'm I'm just going to ask you open ended. Obviously, you're going to have some some time on your hands now, and I know you're you're working on your MBA. Um, maybe got your uh, your head in some other stuff. What what's next for Patrick Demarco? Do you know what's next now that um you're sort of turning your page into your nine uh, playing days of, of your football career? Yeah, uh, I mean, I would sit here and tell you I'm lying if I wasn't interested in that job. Um, you know, my heart and soul is with the University of South Carolina, and, and I very familiar with the running back position. So it's kind of a match made in heaven. Um, but, you know, I don't know logistically if it makes sense for me and my family. And if Beamer has that kind of on his radar, uh, I did shoot him a message when, when the spot opened up and I was like, Hey, like that is something I'd be interested in if and I'd love to be back. I mean, we've talked previously about other roles uh, of getting me back in the building more often and, and spending time with the guys. So, um, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't be dream job, um, especially being 32 years old or about to be 32 years old with, with the experience and, and just being removed from the game. But, um, you know, if it doesn't come to fruition, like I'm, I think I want to get into, I want to stay in the football world. Like there's no point, you know, I've semi mastered that game. Um, so why go and learn something new? Um, so I, I, whether it be administration, whether it be coaching, whether it be player development, I think, I think coaching would probably hit home the most. Um, I mean, I've, I have such influential coaches in my career, um, Robert Gillespie, Jay Graham, um, Bobby Turner, Kelly Skipper. These are just running, just running backs coaches that I had that meant so much to me and developing me to the man I am today, the father I am today, husband I am today. And I think that that, um, I want to do that. Like I want to pour into 17, 18, 19, 20, whether it be the NFL or college level, I just want to pour in my wisdom and my love, I love on guys um, and just, you know, pass it along. I, I feel like I wouldn't do myself justice if I held all this football intelligence and all these life lessons I've learned from this beautiful game in. Um, so yeah, if Beamer would have me, I'd be, would love to be back. If not, um, I'm, I'm I'm going to pursue football in some capacity. I have some feelers out there with the Falcons and Georgia Tech here in Atlanta. Um, but, you know, my heart's back there in Columbia. Patrick, uh, great stuff, man. Again, uh, you gave us 30 minutes here, man. We appreciate it. And uh, your your passion stands out. And, obviously, all these Gamecock fans are ready to hire you right now from what I'm seeing in this chat. <laughs> so, um, whether it's at South Carolina or somewhere else, man, obviously you'll be successful. And, uh, you know, we'll be pulling for you. And if you ever need anything from us, uh, let us know. Okay, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, yeah, Patrick. Pat, that Pat DeMarco, 10-year NFL veteran, just uh, announced his retirement here recently. And, uh, Chris, man, that, that's um, that's got to be one of my favorite interviews I think we've ever had here on the show, huh? Yeah, really good stuff. Real insightful, real honest. Um, so you don't get a lot of uh, – it wouldn't be coach speak, but coach speak since he wants to get into coaching or player speak or whatever from Patrick, he keeps it real. And just, he's a real person, man. You can tell with, um, you know, really relationship driven and loves Columbia, loves, play, loves the Gamecocks still. And so uh, 
definitely a good person for South Carolina, for Shane Beamer, close relationship there. Good for him to have around the program in, in whatever capacity is. So really enjoyed hearing from him. Yeah, there there was no coach speak whatsoever. Uh, he mentioned the jobs he's interested in. He mentioned where <laughs> his feelers are, are out there. Right. But, you know, most coaches hold that stuff um, close to the vest, it, it seems. So um, that was good and very open about his interest in the job, too. So um, we'll be interesting to see. It, you know, obviously, as we've reported on Gamecock Central, there are some other guys we have been sort of uh, – I would say folks on as far as that position goes, one in particular. But, um, yeah, that, that was good, man. And if you missed the interview, uh, you know, in, in its completion, you can actually always go back or you can listen to it on the podcast after the fact on all the major podcast platforms. Where you want to take this thing now, Chris? Uh, signing day? Yeah, I mean, signing day is in two days, believe it or not. How did, I mean, we talk about this every year, but I feel like this year it hits home the most of just how different this is, you know, than it used to be. It used to be the first Wednesday of every, every February, you might as well take off work. We're up at 5 a.m. We're going to sleep super late. I mean, it's wide open all day. And there's 20-something guys putting pen to paper. There's announcements. The first early signing period was put in in December 2017 for the 2018 class. And I think that year, Wes, there were only, what, three guys we were waiting on that year. I think it was Josh Van and Dylan Wanham and Rick Sandage are really the only guys. Other than that, the class is largely in place. And it's really been that way every year. This year's the same deal. But, you know um, – a, a few guys were still monitoring, but this year's had the addition of the transfer portal. Numbers are smaller anyway because of the portal, because of four spots being held over from the last class. But still some guys to watch and just a really, really interesting recruiting cycle and, and coming to probably coming to a close for the most part on Wednesday. Well, and I think when the early signing period started, we're sitting there and we're saying, all right, how how's this going to work? Um, when it when it was first announced, you're like, is this going to be the big signing day, or is February still going to rule supreme? Well, what we very quickly found out was that there was going to be a very strong push from the schools, from the coaches, to the kids to go ahead and sign. Yep, and that sort of locked that in because we sort of it's kind of a power struggle, but the coaches, for the most part, have the power unless you are an elite prospect. But what we found, really, whether you're an elite prospect or you were just under the radar and hoping to hop in to one of these spots that was left, basically. Well, what happens? We, we find out that if you're in a, com- you know, a commitment class but you don't sign, then the schools are going to say, well, we're going to keep recruiting for that spot if you don't sign. So you all, you instantly had all this pressure on the February signing period. As far as the numbers go, originated from the early signing period. Now, Chris, we have it on the back end as well because schools as South Carolina is going to do this year. In the past, you maybe have a backup plan, right? You know, we're, we're essentially you, you had your insider report today 
Y'all can go check that out, GamecockCentral.com. It's essentially like three guys that we're tracking for Wednesday. Maybe in the past, you might sit there and say, you know, if, if it doesn't work out for this guy, we've, we've got to fill this spot. We've got to fill this need. And you'd be trying to maneuver, well, are we getting this guy or not? If we If we go to signing day and we hold a spot for this guy and then miss on him, we might miss out on this backup plan. So you're, you're constantly trying to maneuver that. Now you really just take an approach, well, if I miss, I'll just spend that on a transfer in the spring, you know? Right. Right. You know, spend it on a transfer in the spring. If one comes along, hold it over, it, even if you want, you know, until the next year. Because really, I mean, you're using your 25 initial counters every year. At some point, you're going to be over, you know, on, on scholarships. Uh, you get you got the 85 limit that you're trying to navigate. The added bonus this year, if you want to call it that, you know, what is the NCAA going to do in terms of uh, the overall 85 cap relief? We, we presume they're going to do something, but they haven't let everybody know, at least publicly, what that's going to be. Uh, that being, they gave everyone a free year. So that means for seniors, they're able to come back for the 2021 season. There's several Gamecocks that are taking advantage of that rule. Uh, if you do that, you keep the 25 initial counter limit, which they have per recruiting class. There probably is going to need to be some relief somewhere so schools can navigate that. So we'll just have to see. But, you know, we know for South Carolina's class, the, the numbers are going to be interesting. I mean, uh, four from the previous roster that, that counted, you know, towards this class. So that automatically puts you at 21 instead of 25. Then they're up to seven guys from the transfer portal. We knew that South Carolina would be hitting the transfer portal hard this offseason. They certainly have. And then a mix of guys that had already signed back in December and a few other guys that uh, could sign uh, and and be finished off on Wednesday. So really been an interesting cycle uh, to sort of navigate. A lot of emphasis on the recruiting ranking as always. Obviously, Wes, if South Carolina recruits in the 90s or whatever in terms of recruiting ranking for the next five years, things probably won't go well. Um, but this this cycle is really interesting in that the, the, this unique set of circumstances that's literally never happened in college football um, has sort of led to South Carolina being very, very heavy on the transfer portal and just having to navigate some numbers issues to try to be as resourceful as possible. Yeah, I, I think – uh, let's, you know, if we go a little big picture here, Chris, I got to think at some point the recruiting industry is good. We're going to have to adjust, you know, maybe at the national level even and try and quantify the additions of, of transfers. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but, you know, these transfers are going to play. A lot of times they're going to make impacts, you know, as far as the elite guys go. And clearly the transfers matter. So I, I think um, it's going to be very hard to do because you can't, you can't really rank them. It's very difficult to rank them, I think, is the easier way to say it. But th- there's got to be some way to maybe ultimately quantify the additional help that schools are getting from the transfer portal. It's essentially free agency that's come to college football. Yeah, and, that, and, you know, once that does happen, that's going to be tough. I mean, it is how do you do that? You know, that, that's going to be a, a question that whoever ends up doing that will we'll have to figure out because 
you know, for instance, we've seen this a lot. There are guys, Patrick DeMarco, for instance, timely example, who let, let's say Patrick got through four years of South Carolina and there was a coaching change and he said, I'm going to go play my fifth year at Florida, whatever. Well, obviously, Patrick DeMarco proved during his first four years that he was not a two-star, right? So do you re-rank him at that time? Do you go off the high school ranking when you're when you're adding in transfers? We don't know. But if the transfer portal remains as active as it has been this cycle, and, and it's been probably a little bit more active this cycle than it will be just because there are no, well, no spring evaluation period, no fall evaluation period, no contact period, no um, – no summer camps, obviously, so a lot of seniors have been sort of left in the dark. Those are the types of factors that I think have increased the activity, particularly for South Carolina, given their you know holes at certain roster positions. So will it be this active always? You know, maybe not. Maybe not at South South Carolina. It's not going to take seven transfers every year. I don't think. Right. Uh, it's been sort of a unique set of circumstances, but there is probably going to have to be a way in the future to build that in, or at least give an alternate model, an alternate ranking model to sort of account for that. By the way, uh, real quick here, Chris, I didn't go into details uh, because uh, we wanted to go ahead and get into our Patrick um, interview. But, of course, want to make sure everybody knows the show is brought to you by Clint Hammond of Mortgage Network. Give Clint a shout at 803-771-6933. You can shoot him an email at chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Or, uh, I learned today, I didn't realize this before, you can actually just go to clinthammond.com and uh, find all the information you need to get you set up with either a a mortgage if you want a new house, or actually a great time to refinance, save yourself some money, and get uh, sort of take advantage of these great interest rates that are available right now. Um, Really never a better time, unless you've refinanced or bought your house recently. I think pretty much anybody can benefit right now from uh, the lower interest rates right now. So whether you're a first-time home buyer or if you're a seasoned veteran investor, give Clint a shout. He'll be sure to get you hooked up. And he's a huge Gamecock fan, huge Gamecock Central fan. So uh, we are big fans of Clint Hammond. Somebody else I'm a, I'm a fan of, Chris, and someone that I want to talk about a little bit here on the show right now, a new uh, PWO commitment for South Carolina. and. Chris, this is someone that uh, I can't remember exactly how you phrased it on Twitter, but some some PD, some PWOs, which is preferred walk-on additions, are more valuable than others. And you look at Eric Rice from uh, AC Flora, and this is a kid where we, we've seen this run here of South Carolina landing uh, some walk-ons. Uh, you look at at Ronnie Porter right down the street at, at Heathwood. Um, you look at uh, Joseph Burns from Camden. Uh, you know, you look at the uh, running back from Sumter. This is a pretty nice little walk-on, uh, I would say, walk-on class for South Carolina in-state. Yeah, and that seems to have been a point of emphasis is th- this ability to be able to attract – especially in-state talent, Wes, of some guys that have some smaller school offers, whether it's Division Two or, you know, FCS, maybe even start pulling some guys with some group of five offers. At big-time programs, sometimes you see that, Wes. You'll see guys take a, take a gray shirt or even take a PWO opportunity with the ability, the understanding of being able to earn a scholarship in the future. And so 
those guys you mentioned are really good players, guys that had scholarship offers to go play at some smaller schools. So uh, Rice had a really good senior season um, for AC Flora. You know, obviously marched to a to a state title game run um, and had a really productive year. And you know, earlier after he picked up the preferred walk on offer which I think was in December from the Gamecocks, I asked his head coach, Dustin Curtis, about him. Just, hey, give me some give me some traits of, of Eric Rice. And he, he raved about him, a, bu- a bunch of different adjectives where, you know, he's got a really big upside, good size, his frame's good, good ball skills. And one, one of the things that stood out to me was he said he had great accelerating. So when you look at a wide receiver, a lot of people talk about speed. Well, what does this guy run in the 40? I think not enough people ask about acceleration, your, your stop-start ability, your ability to get in and out of breaks. That's what can really help you create separation. And that's that's a point that one of the first things that Coach Curtis mentioned was that he had really good acceleration. Dude, this, this Flora team, obviously anytime you won a state championship, you got some dudes. But, that I mean, that, there are some guys on this team, man. You, you know, you look at him, you look at uh, – the tight end, Banks Pope, which was actually, uh, I believe, was going to sign with App State and then gets a walk-on offer that he accepts from Clemson. Um, I had a chance to see Ethan Beamish, the quarterback, throw recently at Perry Orth's camp. You know, if, if Beamish was taller, this kid probably has uh, some some much better offers and uh, is, yeah. is going to go play um, for former Gamecock um, recruiting assistant uh, there in Limestone. And uh, and Brian Turk. So, you know, I, I think you, you look at this floor team with Dustin Curtis and what he and uh, Perry Orth and those guys have done. Um, obviously, anytime you win a state title, you got some dudes. But I, I've been impressed. Um, I think they have some underrated dudes is the point I'm trying to get to. They do. They've done a really good job there at that program. And so Eric Rice definitely coming from a quality high school program, which can matter, you know, Um and they got they got some twenty twenty three guys, Wes, that are certainly gonna be guys to watch for for anybody watching that maybe we, we often have some comments about like old school high school football in the state. Uh Carew Bates from the twenty twenty three class at AC Florida is a guy that they feel like's got a chance to be a really quality receiver for them. He's the son of uh Jefferson Bates, who's a four sport athlete at Irmo and went on to play for Hayden Fry at Iowa, the late uh, Jefferson Bates. The Carew Bates, his son, is is going to be certainly a guy to watch. But, yeah, a lot of good players all over, man. They had good quarterback play, running back play, their lines, and obviously some skill position guys. And I guess we'll give a shout-out to Coach Curtis and his coaching staff, too. Uh, they, they did a pretty good job with that group as well. Yeah, they, they didn't screw it up, you know. But yeah, I think probably despite their coaching, yeah. they did. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They did a great job. Yeah, very suspect head coaching job and quarterback coaching to be, you know, yes. very specific. Right. <laughs> um, no, nah, two two great guys and, and obviously did an outstanding job um, building that program up and uh, putting it in, in a position to, to go win a title this year. Congrats. I, you know, I was talking to, to Perry at his camp. Perry Orth literally got engaged and <laughs> won a title within a week's span. So we all, we all didn't like 2020, but, you know, for, for Perry Orth, um, the, the end of 2020 went, went pretty well for him. So um, what, what else we got, man? 
What are you laughing at? Put me on no, I'm laughing that you put me on the spot with the what else we got. There's a lot to talk about. Um, so you know, coaching staff wise, running backs coach is is still the last sort of piece that uh, we we don't know for sure what's going to happen there. Uh, Everybody's wondering about the timeline, probably soon, but not exactly a rush on that. You know, spring practice obviously starts later in March. Um, spring game in April, but uh, obviously with the players around now, you, you'd like to fill that spot as soon as possible. You know, the the one thing that's interesting is right now the recruiting game is still so different. It's not like you got guys coming on your campus. Everything's remote. You're not going out and visiting all these different territories. We don't know what spring evaluation period. You know, right? It still projects to be dead for quite a while. Um, so we'll have to see what happens there. So. Staff is taking shape in terms of support staff, strength and conditioning staffs in place. We've seen some more hires made, you know, or, or you know, Taylor Edwards getting the the recruiting jobs, some other guys that are going to be filling out recruiting and off-field jobs. So the staff under Shane Beam are very much, um, you know, continuing to take shape and getting getting really, really close to being completed. Hopefully for the final time uh, in, in all this. Uh, we we did see a a tweet from Eric Kimry, South Carolina tight ends coach, that uh, Jason Brown and EJ Jenkins, the the transfer kids, are actually already on campus. So they, I, I guess, will not be able to start class until um, March officially. Uh, I believe was still the deal, but they're able to go ahead and um, get into town and get on campus. And obviously, like I said, that that puts South Carolina scholarships at three left, but. I'll tell you one thing I'm very interested to see, Chris, will be EJ Jenkins. We know he's a phenomenal athlete. And we talked about this a little bit last week, but the more I think about it, the more I'm curious to see how exactly this kid ends up being used. I, I think you we're going to know pretty quickly. Well, we we maybe won't, but the staff will know pretty quickly how he matches up trying to run against – SEC DBs and you know you you know the kid can go catch the football you know he's a downfield threat you know the size is there I mean you even you look at that picture of him with um with Kimry Shaw and uh and Jason Brown it's like you know none of these are like small dudes and he's just basically towering over him so I'm very curious to see once he gets in there with Luke Day uh, with Kristen Coggin and, and her nutrition system, the strength and conditioning, how big does this kid get, and how exactly does he end up fitting in in South Carolina's offense? Is this guy going to be a true outside wide receiver type, or is he someone that you move around and um, sort of use more in, in like a uh, Kyle Pitts at, at Florida? This was a guy who's a tight end, but just lined up all over the place. So, to me, I don't think we'll know that until we get a glimpse of him against, uh, you know, his his teammates, SEC guys. But it'll be very interesting to see. It will. And, you know, obviously there's been no spring practice at South Carolina. Guys just got here. But from what we've heard, that there's – even dating back to the first, you know, initial sort of contacts, the the initial, you know, films, uh, film study that South kind of did on EJ Jenkins, that the staff seemed pretty impressed with him, you know, as a prospect, just 
obviously his talent, his size, his ability to run at that size, but apparently his mentality has really stood out too. He's a guy that seems pretty hungry and has a real humble disposition about him. So uh, I'm with you, man. In- very intriguing skill set. I think the other day I said maybe one of the more intriguing guys on the roster, maybe the most, just because of that size ratio and the fact that he plays such a need position for South Carolina, you know, needing guys that can do damage with the ball in their hands, get open. Can he be one of those guys for this season? We we got to pick on Greg for a second. How six foot four? I, Chris, are you are you is is there any is there any way that you can look at that picture and honestly say that EJ Jenkins looks six foot four? Like I I, I don't. I mean, even even Chris, you're muted. Even if Jason Brown is six two and a half instead of six four, I see no way. I'll give you maybe six six if you want to say he's not quite six eight. I think he's even taller than that. But there's no way EJ Jenkins looks six four to me. No. Wes, can we can we put the picture up here? I can do it. I got it. Am I allowed to share a screen? I think so. Let's see. Let's let's get it here. I'm gonna try to share my screen, and we'll see if we can get that going here. Mm, that's not it. Yeah, let's see if this does it. Are we on? Yes. Mm, no. I'm not seeing it. Well, you're not. Okay. Let me effort that. Let the actual producer of the show, Wes, handle that. Am I the producer of the show? That's – You're the official producer. Greg says definitely not 6'8". Greg – now, Greg, so 6'4 is a no for me. Um, If you want to say not 6'8", okay, I'm good with that. 6'4 is a no for me. That's going to be a no in true Randy Jackson style because Brown is around six forward. He's obviously way taller. Also, the the thing I would take, um, since we're picking on my man, Greg, you pick on us sometimes too. It's all good. The EJ is frail. I'm definitely not on that. Are we, are we looking at the same people? Like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Greg, Greg is updated now and says six, six tops. Well, now, see, now we're just changing our story. I don't know what. Let, let's let's have a. All right, Charles says he saw that Jenkins measured six seven and three fourths at USC. I cannot confirm that. That that'll be something to find out, Chris. Let's find out we'll exactly that. what EJ Jenkins measured, and we'll go from there. But. All right, and we're, if we're already going from six four to six six, that's a huge difference in football. When guys at the combine are measured what by the eighth of an inch, yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll give him six seven. I think we see we see plenty of six four six five receivers, and they look very tall, but I don't know, man. It's not it's not like Kimry is a short dude. Right. Right. He's not short. And 
So even if Jason Brown is like one of those guys that's listed six four, but is really six two, six two and a half. Now, to to add to Greg's conspiracy theory, couple bios online from St. Francis, right, for EJ Jenkins, and one was their football signing day roster, and EJ Jenkins was listed at six six two ten at that time. Later updated to 6'8", 235, and looked like five years older in that picture. Yeah. Obviously, dude grew not only from a height standpoint, but, of of course, the frame as well. So, Yeah. If you – all right, if you you say 6'6", if he gets measured at 6'6", I'd maybe – I'd believe that. 6'4", no way. There's no way that dude is only 6'4". So, I tell you what, maybe let's find out what he acts, what he actually is. And Mr. No Paywall Greg, if... That's what I was going to say. If he, if he is 6'4", tell you what, if he is 6'5 or less, I'll give you six months free to GamecockCentral.com. I almost hope now that that's the case. Then we can finally get Greg on the site, right? Then Greg can then come on the show and be like, wow, guys, I have been missing out for so long. I'm talking trash about paywalls for so long, and that was just so wrong of me. Yeah, well, and see, there, here's the other side. Greg, if you are wrong, you have to buy one month. We're not going to sit here and be like, you have to spend a bunch of money. Yeah. You have to buy – one month, so was it nine ninety nine or nine ninety five? I never know. It's ten dollars. One month of GamecockCentral dot com, and then after that, he'll still stay on because he'll be like, "Oh man, guys, exactly." Yeah. There you go. We're we're gonna effort that. We're gonna find out exactly what he measured in at at South Carolina. We didn't right. run Greg off, did we? I hadn't seen him, Greg. We're we're just sort of kidding a little bit. Yeah, we're just messing around, dude. Except I'm serious about the bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This guy said you got to get a haircut, Chris. Y'all, um, when I get a haircut, people make fun of it. When I don't, they make fun of it. It doesn't bother me. They just make fun of you, I think. Yeah. Is the, is the thing there. All right, y'all. If we're sitting here talking about Chris's haircuts and making bets with, with uh, viewers – it's time to end the show. But um, there'll, there'll be plenty to talk about in the next couple of days. We'll hop on, of course, talk some signing day. Come on over to GamecockCentral.com. Um, J.E. says, if this dude is 6'4", I will pay for a month for Greg. Nice. Okay, there you go, Greg. See, Greg's still not having to pay. Um, this man does not like paywalls. All right, I, I for real hope we didn't take Greg off. He's messing with you, man. He – uh he hasn't said anything in a while. All right, y'all. Appreciate the time. Appreciate the support. Um, all right, hold on, hold on. Not yet. If if he's 6'7", I'll pay for six months, no problem. Just looks like an embellishment. All right, y'all saw it. You see it. So if he's 6'6", if he's six, six, then nobody wins. If he's 6'5", or shorter then six months free. Okay. So there you go. 
We will find out. All right, y'all. Appreciate it. Chris, you got anything else, man? I'm good. I have one other thought in, in the, sh- the never-ending last segment of this show. Will Greg believe what we find out? Yeah, I, that, That's our, our solemn promise is we're not going to say ask some people and say, hey, add a couple, add a half an inch so we can get, you know, we really won't. He says bet. All right, y'all heard it. There's um, yeah. a few thousand witnesses that are going to hear this as well. So um, we will effort that, and we'll get back to you next show and let y'all know his official height. Um, appreciate Pat DeMarco for joining us. That was a great interview. He was yep. very, very gracious with his time. You know, I wanted to get Pat on for 10, 15 minutes. You know, didn't want to bother him, and he went for, for a full 30 minutes of really, really good stuff. So appreciate him. Hopefully we can have him on uh, later on. Um, and uh, who knows, maybe he'll end up back in Columbia in some role in the future. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see all of you on GamecockCentral.com. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So I used the savings from switching to Progressive 30 years ago to buy tickets to the championship game. You know, between those two teams that didn't exist 30 years ago? Yeah, I'm a big Alaska Palm Trees fan. Which is a team now, in the future? So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.